On this episode of the Big O Podcast, I am joined by a returner to the show, Bleacher Report's best Canadian sweetheart and Toronto Raptors fanboy, Cabby Richards. We talk about the NBA playoffs, whether Giannis Antetokounmpo would be a good fit for the Toronto Raptors in 2021. Bleacher Report's response is accompanied to the police shootings in the U.S., how the boycott of games by the NBA players led to NBA owners converting their home arenas to voting sites for the 2020 general election, and the $1,700 L Cabby had to eat before his 40th birthday. This is the Big O Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of the Big O Podcast. Today, I am joined by a returner to the show and who I'd like to think of as a friend now with everything that's going on uh, with COVID and the Raptors and sports. And we've been in communication for a little while, but he agreed graciously to come back to the show after uh, thankfully sending me the hard-earned BR betting hoodie, Mr. Cabby Richards. Cabby, how are you doing today? Uh, I am I'm wounded, emotionally wounded because the Raptors lost game five to Boston. It was a good old fashioned butt kicking 111 to 89. I don't feel good about it. Uh, I'm optimistic for Wednesday, but as I think, uh, I, don't, I don't know who was, reco- was um, broadcasting with Stan Van Gundy. Maybe it was Iron Eagle, but he said 82% of teams that win game five yep. that were previously tied 2-2 go on to win the series. So History is not on Toronto's side, but it wasn't on Toronto's side last year. So hopefully there's still some lucky bounces and some lucky plays uh, that will go in Toronto's favor moving forward against Boston. I'm just uh, I'm emotionally wounded. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people were a little bit nervous, you know, going down 0-2 to the Celtics. Um, very reminiscent of what happened with Milwaukee. Uh, obviously going down 0-2 to them and then coming back and, and being able to, to close it out. Boston was interesting. I mean, to talk a little bit about the playoffs going on, uh, Celtics, the Raptors, they swept. So they were going to be pretty evenly matched, pretty healthy going into this matchup. And then Boston sort of ran away with game one. Then the Raptors had a close game two and then found a way to win the next two I don't want to say fairly convincing. I think game three was convincing. Game no, four, they game, really. Game three, well, yeah, that was a really nice play by Kemba. Game three was not <laughs> convincing. Game four was convincing. Game three yeah. won by the skin of our teeth. And But, I mean, listen, it takes championship teams in order to go down that road to win those type of games, right? I mean, you don't just cruise to the finals going 16-0. and I mean, that's obviously the goal. You win 16 games and you're good to go. But you're going to have to face a little bit of adversity and – Toronto's facing that right now. My preseason prediction was Lakers-Celtics. I am am more confident in the Celtics getting to the finals than I am right now with my own Los Angeles Lakers. What are are your thoughts on what's going on in the West right now? Well, Houston is like an interesting team because... They play a spread five. They don't really move that much on offense, but in transition, they're quick. Yeah. And James Harden is unguardable one-on-one. Yeah. They, like Russell Westbrook was a monster, like was having mo- huge performances in mid-January. And then he gets COVID. James Harden gets COVID. So we don't know how it, you know it's affecting their lung capacity. Yeah. Harden seems to be like playing normal. Uh, yeah. Like it hasn't affected him. But then like, um, but Russell is just like, he, he said himself, he's got to go back after game two. He's got to go in the film room because he feels like he's just running around out there to figure out what's happening. My guy took seven three-point shots, which he hasn't taken that many since Christmas, and he hit one. Like Russell, yeah. like as stars like him or Rondo get older, they don't – like the, the long-distance shooting like goes quick, and we're seeing that in this series. I, I like Houston as a dark horse against L.A., because if you line up both teams on the baseline, you start picking the best players, LeBron, yeah. Harden, AD, like the next, after those three, the next like 
five or six players are going to be Houston Rockets. So I think yeah. they're more talented than LA, but then you have obviously a generational talent like LeBron who can turn it on from time to time. Right. It's unrealistic to expect him to turn it on all the time because the guy is 35 years old and in year 17, but he still has the capability to turn it on um, every once in a while. So I don't know, man. I, I like, I like Houston in like six games, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm totally in the minority as far as fans that um, actually think that the Rockets can pull it off. Well, I mean, a lot of people criticize the Lakers as like an offense that just doesn't know what they're doing. Sure. They have two of the top, maybe five best players in the league on the same team. And yet not a lot of people were confident. They didn't play that great in the bubble. They definitely didn't have a great start to their Portland series. They got exposed in game one against Houston. But it's interesting because you said LeBron being 35 years old. Another guy in the series who's 35 years old, P.J. Tucker. And yeah. P.J. Tucker hasn't missed a game since like 2017 or something. Something like that, yeah. Like it's just crazy. And I mean, he is making life difficult for Anthony Davis. And he's one of those unspoken guys that, like you said, if you're going to line up all the players on the baseline, P.J. Tucker's going before uh, JaVale McGee. Yes. Going before Dwight Howard. Yeah, he's going before KCP. He's going before yeah. Danny Green. He's, he's going, going before, before maybe Kuz, depending Kuz. on who's you're going to get. I mean, he's probably going before Kuz. I mean, he's, yeah. he's been like quietly, I think, their second most consistent player. Robert Covington has been shooting the ball amazing. He's been shooting, oh, yeah. he's been shooting 50% from, the, from downtown in the playoffs. So that's nine games shooting 50%. Like, but James, um, sorry, PJ Tucker, who I call professional justice Tucker because he's <laughs> such a tough mother bleeper. Oh, yeah. He's been playing awesome. I love his, I love his game so much. And he was, he was a huge cog in the wheel for the Raptors, right? And so he leaves the Raptors in the offseason. No, 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 no. He only played for half a year. Yeah, but he was, he was good down the stretch for that playoff run. We got Toronto, swept by Cleveland, bro. Yeah, but you're, but you're <laughs> it was LeBron against- till round one. Like, we got swept twice by Cleveland. And he got out of there. Um, I think it was the second sweep. But then... Is like, yeah, we, he, had to, he had to go and get some money in Houston because um, that was the yeah. right spot for him. And, well, listen, whether you played LeBron in the playoffs or you played Paul Pierce in the playoffs, the Raptors weren't getting by either of those guys, depending on whatever team, whether it was the Miami Heat, Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, what was it, Brooklyn Nets or the Celtics. Whenever those two guys got into the playoffs against the Raptors, unfortunately, it was just a wrap. Those guys were the Raptors stopper. 50-plus wins. Didn't matter to them. It was over before six games normally. I don't feel. I don't feel good about this. <laughs> okay, let's bright, let's brighten. Let's let's bring it back a little bit. Let's. The one good thing. I don't want to say the one good thing. I never want to talk about a player's injury and say it's a good thing. Giannis is going down. Gets injured. Rolls the ankle. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee almost seems to get a boost from him not playing. And then. Last week, there was the, the, little, the little Twitter universe goes off. The best or the worst kept secret is that Toronto is one of two teams that they believe to be favored to land Giannis next offseason. As a Raptor fan, you saw what happened with Kawhi. Do you think bringing Giannis into the Raptors mix with what's going to be Spicy P, probably OG, probably a, a signed long-term Freddie, a norm, I think, who's in the last year of his deal he I is, think, yeah, at that yeah. point. Does that, is that a good fit for Toronto to bring a guy in like Giannis? What? That'd be, well, <laughs> obviously, as a fan, that'd be incredible. But if you look at the pieces and the coach and the culture, yeah, it's, I mean, it's right there with the Miami Heat. It doesn't have the, Toronto doesn't have the legacy, right. obviously, that the Miami Heat culture does. And certainly Pat Riley, who's been an executive of the year, he's a Hall of Fame, um, Hall of Fame coach and likely a Hall of Fame executive. Well, he is. If he pulled off getting LeBron and Chris Bosh to join Dwayne Wade, yeah. yeah, he's a Hall of Fame executive. So culture is like not on the same level, but it's, it's in the same ballpark. I've, there's also rumors that like Dallas is going to make a run for Giannis. I mean, every yeah. team would love to have Giannis. And for then sure. uh, Golden State would make a run for Giannis. 
Uh, but, you know, with Giannis's relationship with Lord Jedi Ujiri, um, who helped, I believe, who helped his family uh, either get settled in Greece or there, there's some history, which I need to read yeah. deeper. In. There's some history between the families. And I'm sure that that means something because, I mean, Giannis was virtually unknown until he was like 17. I mean, this is skinny kid yeah. from Athens who, you know, grew into like this unicorn. And there aren't yeah. very many, there's a unicorn in Dallas who's often often injured. And then there's yeah. a unicorn wearing that Milwaukee Bucks jersey who's going to be the last player or the first player since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, excuse me, since Hakeem Olajuwon to win offensive and defensive MVP in the same season. Yeah. But unlike Olajuwon, he will, won't win the NBA championship. I'm speaking, I'm speaking too early because who knows what can happen. I mean, I know they're down 3-1 and a team has never come back from 3-0 in the NBA playoffs. Yeah. So anything's anything's possible. Obviously, the guys and and, and with that said, they're playing in a bubble. So yeah, it's even a crazier circumstance. But Giannis, I mean, it would be incredible for him to be in Toronto. Spicy P can go back to comfortably being the second piece. Fred Van Vliet is a stud. You know that the New York Knicks are going to throw a boatload of cash at him because oh, yeah. everybody loves his game. He's so tough. He's a great shooter. He's got just like like crazy leadership um, cachet and, 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 and quality. Yeah. And, he's, and he's got championship DNA. And he has one vote as a finals MVP from the legendary Hubie Brown. He's the only person who didn't vote for Kawhi for finals MVP. So Fred Van Vliet yeah. has that uh, a part of his resume as well. So hopefully he does stay in Toronto because, look, Masai took a chance on an undra- a four-year guy from Wichita State who went undrafted. And those undrafted guys, kind of like Terrence, Terrence Davis, who's not on the level of yeah. Van Vliet yet, but – Love those guys because the, the chip on the shoulder is so big and they feel like they have to prove themselves all the time and you get results. And we're seeing those results with Fred Van Vliet. Now, you mentioned Pat Riley, Miami. You know, he trades for Shaq when they have that beef, right? So that's already one piece. And then they win a championship, right? Shaq wins a championship in Miami's Dwayne Wade's first championship. So Pat Riley's already, you know, hell of a coach. Rising executive pulls off, as you said, the big three. And then sort of pivoted and brought in whoever LeBron needed in order to make, what was it, like four straight, uh, five straight uh, conference championships or something like that, and three straight titles or uh, NBA appear- or championship appearances. No, they, they went to four finals in a row in his mind. There we go, four. Yeah. And so he's, he's there. Now, if Masai pulls off arguably the greatest offseason in – sports where you bring in a guy on a one-year deal uncertain if he's going to sign but you ultimately get the job done in winning a championship and continue to build the culture of the Toronto Raptors right he was a piece he was a he was a big piece as far as their championship goes got a little bit more respect for Toronto but he was a piece and we could sort of see that now because there were a lot of NBA analysts last year or in the offseason who pegged Toronto as a four seed an eight seed, a bubble team, because obviously they credited the entire championship to a Kawhi Leonard. And Toronto sort of decided to use that as motivation and inspired Kyle Lowry, really led this team in the fashion that he got to see when Kawhi was here, very about his business. We're here, we have a job. We're going to prove to everybody that it wasn't just Kawhi that brought this championship. And I'm not going to count Toronto out right now. Yes, they're down 3-2. And yes, they got beat quite convincingly. But there's a there's a difference to this team. I thought going into the bubble and even leaving at the end of the sort of play-in rounds, finish the season, the Raptors were the best team in the bubble. I might shift and say that the Miami Heat, based on what they've done, might be the best current team in the bubble the way that they've sort of handled their business and Jimmy Butler has led that team and Tyler Hero is playing hero ball, just making everything under the sun. If there was a team outside of Toronto, and you can pick the rest of the field in the NBA playoffs, who would you say right now is the best chance to win the NBA championship? 
Well, Miami is probably at the top of the Miami or the Clippers. We'll see. We'll see tonight. I mean, I don't know when this is being posted, but as we're recording this, the Clippers are playing the Denver Nuggets in game three and the Clippers as constituted are probably of the most talent. Miami is playing the most cohesively and, you know, Jimmy Butler will have one game where he scores 40 and the next game he scores 10, but he's surrounded by shooters, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, J- uh, Jay Crowder, and Bam Adebayo Ooh, is like... It's a bad man. Under, underrated, like... Actually, I don't know if he's underrated. But he, he's just not a star yet, but he yeah. plays... But he's an unbelievable player. And, and then you have Goran Dragic coming off the bench and like the ultimate heat check guy who can give you 25 a night. So... I like I like Miami, and I like the Clippers. You know, the NBA needs one of those uh, Miami teams. Um, yeah. t- sorry, excuse me, one of those LA teams to be in the finals just for, for like, sure. just for the um, um, sort for the for the marquee for the billboard. Like it's an yeah. LA market. You know, the Boston market is huge, a b- big media market. South Florida is not b- a big media market, but it has enough. I mean, Jimmy Butler, I think, is enough of a star where they can make. Something of it, but uh, Clippers in Heat. I think they're like one in one A. If I'm not taking uh, the Toronto Raptors, which I am emotionally picking the Toronto <laughs> Raptors because I was born in Toronto and I am a fanboy. Now, so it's interesting um, because I had posted on Instagram asking for anyone who had any questions um, that they had for you, and uh, a friend of the show, uh, Mr. Nate Deasy, good high school friend. Uh, wanted to ask, wanted me to ask you if you ever get tired of the U.S. media consistently disrespecting the NBA champion Toronto Raptors. Uh, do I get tired of it? No, because I I understand why it does what it does. Okay. And <clears throat> Toronto isn't like a sexy team, and it isn't from a sexy market. Obviously, Toronto represents Canada. Uh, and, you know, the sexiest thing about us was probably Pamela Anderson in 1992. But, um, you know, as a, as a storyline, as a narrative, you know, the NBA is like the, one of the best entertainment products in the world. And its biggest stars play in the United States and its biggest star right. wears number 23 for the purple and gold. So um, I understand it. It's annoying, but uh, but I understand why. Why they, but the basketball pundits, like the actual people, the analysts, the people that know basketball, give the Raptors their proper due and their respect. They're just not at the top of the lineup of the shows, like Get Up or First Take or Sports right. Center. But the former players or the coaches or the GMs that know basketball, they definitely know how great the Raptors team is and how under, I don't want to say under, underappreciated the team yeah. and then Nick Nurse is like a modern day wizard when it comes to schemes, making adjustments and um, and getting his players ready to play. Unfortunately, today it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a, yeah. a shining example of that. But there have been obviously Nick Nurse, Coach of the Year, his um, his resume is cemented. Yeah, well deserved Coach of the Year. I mean, there, yeah. as you said, you know NBA pundits give the Raptors sort of the credit that they deserve, or at least more credit than some of the other U.S. markets, maybe. Um, but the one person who always goes to bat for the Raptors, I think sometimes may work against it, is Charles, Sir Charles Barkley. You know, he's been a fan of the Raptors. He's always uh, given them the credit that they sort of deserve. But again, when it comes from Sir Charles, sometimes it's taken with a little bit of a grain of salt and maybe not given the respect that it actually needs. Because, I mean, it's, listen, he knows, Charles, he knows basketball. It's a, it's a curse. When Charles says, <laughs> I guarantee, <laughs> he guarantees whatever team comes out of his mouth is going yeah. to lose. Actually, tonight he picked the Boston Celtics, but Charles is like one in 35 on his right. guarantee. <laughs> so you don't want Charles. I mean, Charles is a huge fan of Toronto, the city. He's been here multiple times i shouldn't say here i'm not currently in toronto but he's been to the city a bunch of times he's good friends with rod black and christine simpson he's been at multiple golfing events and uh you know when the tnt crew came to toronto during the conference finals uh i went out with kenny smith a couple times actually was it was the uh it was the 
the Philadelphia series and Milwaukee series. Okay. But Charles was like royalty, like anywhere he goes, he holds court. And I don't even know if he can leave his hotel now. Like he gets, he gets to the hotel bar and that's as far as he can go because everybody wants to take photos with him. He's really generous with his time. He's generous with his wallet. He's just a lot of fun to be around. Yeah. Charles, uh, he's a true gem. I mean, him and Shaq with Ernie and Kenny, it's like the perfect foursome. I would love to see those guys golf. Like, forget Tiger and Phil for the match. Let's get, like, the TNT crew together for, like, 18 holes and just mic them all up and see what happens. Because I guarantee that is, like, that is probably some of the best television, best three-hour event that you could probably get for non-traditional golfers. That's interesting. You say, like, I don't know what they're going to do for the match three. Charles was in... Uh, Florida at uh, Tiger's home course, which I, it's the name escapes me, but he was doing like commentary and he was doing, he's asked the, the guys a couple of questions. It was, I mean, the weather was awful, but the yeah. event was really cool. And seeing Tom Brady and Peyton Manning interact and have a couple of jabs here and there was, was cool. So like the match three, you know, they're saying like Steph Curry wants in Aaron Rodgers wants in. It'd be interesting if they added like, a great golfer, a great athlete who is also a great golfer. Steph Curry, I think his handicap is plus one. I'm not sure Roger's handicap is, but then add a liability, like add uh. someone who is the mulligan. So you add <laughs> Charles Barkley and then add either. I don't know who would like, I don't know who's known to be a, maybe you add Shaq. Maybe that's the right, other yeah. golfer that you add. Who's probably as terrible as Charles and who is as big and as gregarious as Charles is, or you go like, I was going to say Steve Harvey, but someone who's on someone who is like Kevin James, isn't quite like a, a kind of a, a huskier dude who isn't right. really known to be uh, great at golf, but who is entertaining, who can fire off the one liners to make it like a television show and uh and make it fun so I'm, I'm sure tnt or turner has a bunch of ideas and i hope they i hope it comes to fruition next year when they do them or in two years when they do the match three now i i want to stay with the turner family because obviously bleacher report where you currently work is part of the turner umbrella that's correct and so leading up to sort of the beginning of the end of june beginning of july where you know we had some unfortunate incidents where you know, innocent people fell victim to police brutality and systemic racism, and it sort of shut the world down. Um, and this isn't something new, obviously, um, something that has happened. And it was just another event, another something else to remember. And this time, maybe we saw a lot more people react and either voice their um, concern and need for change their support for the people who were protesting and Bleacher Report decided to sort of shut things down because they didn't want to continue to carry on as business as usual. And one of the things I'm, I'm referring to obviously is you have your hoodie happy hour, which was a staple, something that people were, it was like, can't miss TV. They knew that Monday to Thursday, it was going to be cabby. Friday was going to be Varun and everyone was sort of waiting. And you guys as a company decided to step back, shut things down just a little bit and allow things to resonate, allow things to sort of take its course and have now come up with, I believe is a new campaign to help support the movement of, of change. Can you talk a little bit about what Bleacher Report is doing when it comes to social reform, social justice? You know, it's, um, it's using its platform to be an ally in the struggle. And it's, I haven't worked for a company that's acted like that before. It acts like a human, not a brand. Right. And I know there, and there are obviously hundreds of people behind the brand, but as far as the leadership goes, like there were a bunch of internal meetings where people were listening to, the executive level listening to people of color, like just, it was a time where, you know, white executives and people on the leadership team, they just stood back and they listened. And 
it was pretty amazing to see. And then, and, and it made a choice. So to turn like, we want to be allies in the struggle. So they are, you know, and around the time that, um, unfortunately, um, Mr. George Floyd was murdered and Breonna Taylor was murdered. You know, the bleacher was trying to elevate and amplify the voices of people in the community and people who have sort of the biggest platforms and who yeah. are using their platforms, I believe in the right way. And they're on the side of history, like a lot of the athletes and the entertainers, specifically right. the athletes. I mean, we, it's unfortunate that we always look to them to try to solve our problems, but they understand that they have a big voice in trying to solve some of these problems. And it's not gonna be solved overnight. We're talking about sweeping changes that will take decades and generations to break apart the system where, it, where there are inequities in the way that some people are treated and some people have privilege. So it was inspiring to see that Bleacher was, you know, on the side of the people and listening. Right. Whereas a lot of, you know, and some companies were, they put out kind of safe and benign messages. You know, we, we you know, we're against racial injustice. And I don't think anybody came out as hard against anti-racism than Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like that brand, they were, yeah. it was incredible what, what they, um, what that brand put out. I think it was like four or five pages in a, on a, a tweet or an Instagram post where I was like, I am with this, I'm buying this ice cream. And I don't really oh, yeah. eat ice cream that much, but Ben and Jerry's is getting my money. Um, but like, it was an important time for allies, important time to listen. And it's important time to stand with people that, you know, together it, their strength in numbers and things and in those numbers with enough pressure on senators, legislators, mayors, that substantive change can be made. And that's, I really, I'm optimistic that sweeping changes with police unions and accountability and punishable, some of these crimes will be punished by actual jail time. I believe, I, I, I'm optimistic that that'll happen. Now, this is going to sort of tie me to what ended up happening a few weeks ago, right? So then, you know, we have George Floyd, we have the Breonna Taylor murder, and then, you know, things don't really, I don't want to say they settle down, but there's sort of like a lull in things. Obviously, the NBA, before the restart of the bubble, decided to meet with Adam Silver, who we've, you know, talked about being the guy on the right side of history, trying to be the the commissioner that decides to listen to their players and really tries to achieve a greater good when it comes to building community. And it's all community, not just owners, but also understanding that the players have a voice and listening to that voice. And then we have the unfortunate incident that happens in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And the NBA decides to boycott some games, ultimately leading in the shutdown for I want to say it was like a couple of days. It was three where, days. Yeah, where the, where, the, where the rumors come out that, you know, the Clippers and Lakers have decided that, you know, they don't want to continue the season. We're going to shut it down. And you went on your Instagram live with your friend, which I can't remember his name right now. Eddie Richardson. There we go. And you spoke about why you would have liked them to continue to play, understanding and respecting their decisions, but why you would have liked them to continue to play because they have a voice and they can do a lot more and they can have much more of an impact as we get later and have more eyes. We get to the, the conference finals or the, or the NBA finals. And then we sort of see that they're going to continue to play, but they've decided to have all of the owners that own their stadiums or arenas to be open for voting, right? So awesome. it comes to election time. Love that. Right. And so a lot of what people were waiting for is, okay, okay how are athletes going to change things? Because like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people look to athletes to make changes. They're just human beings. Yes, some of them have platforms. And thankfully, a lot of them use their platforms for good. But it's kind of hard. You know, when you're an NBA or an NHL player or a baseball player, it's hard to think what kind of impact can I really have when it comes to changing something that has been systemically you know, built into our country since the beginning, 
right? If you look at it, it, it's really been there from the very beginning. It's how do you change something like that? And then we see, like I mentioned, the arenas that are owned by the owners are going to be used for voting stations. We saw player representatives say that they are going to register their entire coaching staff and players to vote come election day. Is this the kind of change that you can get behind and say, listen, yes. the NBA, they did it right. There's still yes. more to do, but you know, this is a step in the right direction. Yes, yes, yes. Emphatically. Yes. Yeah. It, it, you know, I love, I'm a, as you know, I'm a card carrying Kobe guy, but I love it. <clears throat> It is, it's unfair the amount, the, the insurmountable pressure that's on LeBron James's shoulders as the face of the NBA. He's the most popular athlete in America. He's probably top five in the world. There's, you know, four soccer players from Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, I don't know, name the Pogba, I don't know, Mbappe, yeah. and then like LeBron or Lewis Hamilton, then LeBron. I know he does, he's a, a F1 driver, not a not a, a basketball or not a soccer player. But anyway, my point is, yeah. he's got so much pressure on the show, and then he uses his platform for good. I mean, he's putting his money where there's where his mouth is, and trying to and starting a campaign along with some of his friends to get people to register to vote. And I love that the board of governors of these teams have opened their stadiums as polling stations. What really needs to happen is like that. Like November, like the Tuesday after the the first Tuesday of the month in November, which is generally when um, the American election is held, that should be a holiday because you have so many poor people that just can't afford to take off work. They do because it's their civic duty to go vote or they exercise their civic, civic duty to vote. And I think that's important, but it needs to be a holiday. If it's going to be completely fair, it needs to be a holiday. But I love that um, the players... Once, you know, once they had some meetings and, you know, got to give props to Chris Paul and Andre Iguodala, who are like the, um, the, the executive branch of the players union. And, you know, Andre Iguodala was on Bill Simmons podcast the other day. He's just saying like that moment was very impactful for him because he's never been in a room with that many NBA players. Right. Usually at like um, the other time or when there were uh, contract negotiations between the league, you know, a, a handful of guys would fly to New York, but here you had like 200 NBA players that were in the bubble because it, you know, the first round wasn't over yet. Or right. uh, no, or wait, no, maybe the first round was no. It, I don't think because no, no. Oklahoma City went to Game Seven with Houston, and I think that was after the restart. And Milwaukee was going to play Orlando in Game Four or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it was still. You know, so 16 of the 22 teams were still in the bubble. And um, anyway, it was, um, I love that, you know, when cooler heads prevailed and, and Iguodala was saying, you know, he hasn't seen that many. There were so many proposals that players had that they brought to the table that, you know, they consolidated to give to the board of governors and say, hey, in your markets, if we are really partners, then we want you to do this for us. And we know that you hold a, an incredible amount of political weight, obviously financial weight in your individual markets. And we, we need you to represent us when you go to have these meetings with your senators or your governors. And here are a list of things that we want to see happen. And it was cool that the Milwaukee Bucks did have a meeting, I believe. I can't remember the, the senator's name of, of the state of Wisconsin, but they were on the phone with him. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure more of those conversations will happen. And it's just important that, you know, in this moment, if, if Jacob Blake, who was, who was the, the gentleman that was shot in the back seven times, if we weren't, if there, if there was an NBA basketball in the bubble, I'm not sure that this collective energy would have been able to congregate and then form again. Cause they, they have the platform of the NBA finals and they were able like, okay, we're shutting down basketball for a few days because we need people to pay attention to this. And there right. have been other unarmed black people shot it, you know, from the time that George Floyd was, was killed to, to Jacob Blake, but they weren't, they weren't recorded. We didn't have right. the video. I mean, there was that one gentleman, I believe in the Wendy's, the Wendy's parking lot somewhere yeah. in Georgia, but like, the video is so powerful and it's just, you know, people just want to distract from, from the narratives that like this happens 
3x or 4x to people of color versus people right. the like the other side. So like believe us when we say I I, I think it's uh um the Jason Tatum's or Jalen Brown's jersey just says believe us on the yeah. back of his jersey. Like it's just an important message. And I'm glad that the players decided to return to play basketball because the plat their unified voice on the NBA platform is just so much louder. And yeah. if I pray nothing happens from now until the end of the finals, as far as another unarmed person getting shot or potential or, or killed, because as you know, the United States of America is a powder keg, like just for sure. seconds away from completely exploding. And uh, it's really bad there. And, and obviously you don't want any more loss of life. Um, and I, and yeah, I just can't imagine if that happens again. But if it does, then they're again they have the their voice and and a lot of people listen to these to these men because and and women I shouldn't I shouldn't just say the NBA the WNBA those those athletes have been put, doing work in the community oh, yeah. not celebrated like the players in the NBA but doing like incredible work so they should also be recognized for their efforts as well. I mean, shout out Maya Moore, right? Maya, Maya Moore, Moore, yeah. Is, like left up at the height of her now. career. She was an MVP and yeah. working on prison reform. Like she's a hero, legit hero. Yeah, she's taken two years back to back out of her career to go and to do something with her platform, to do the right thing. And she was able to help. And I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was. she was able to help him get out of prison for something that he was wrongfully accused of. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that, you know, everyone should, you know, LeBron James should take a season off to do it. But listen, she she had the platform. She did what she, you know, felt was right. She was able to help an innocent man. Uh, LeBron James has been using his platform, like him or not. He has done amazing things. Forget, you know, the 35-year-old basketball player as a human being. I don't think there's anyone out there right now that has used their platform for as much good considering the amount of pressure that someone like him has and he's not afraid to make a mistake right he's going out there to do the right thing he may not say the right thing all of the time but he's able to get it right more often than not and that's something that people always look to for generational players they're a talent on the court but what are they going to do for you know the world we had the Muhammad Ali greatest fighter at the time gives up his prime because he doesn't want to fight in a war he doesn't believe in. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yes, I'm making the comparison of Muhammad Ali and LeBron James, because I think based on their profession, their skill level, where they are in their career and the fact that they are standing up for injustice, those are the type of things that get remembered way beyond your basketball legacy, you know, stops whenever you retire. Ron built a school like that's part of his legacy. It might yeah. be, we might, we might have, you know, that school might, might uh, produce 35 future astrophysicists who are right. able to create technology or identify some body of stars in our galaxy that, or, or, or create some, some technology that, that we're able to get to Mars faster or, right. you know, like it's, that's an incredible legacy, like his own money and working with the state of Ohio to open up a charter school, the I promise school. Like that's, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, we, we, we love Michael Jordan for his excellence and for his excellence, but I love LeBron for his influence. And I can't, uh, I just have so much respect for that man. Yeah, listen, he uh they their their school scored in like the highest percentile and actually came to an agreement with like Akron University for their grad their inaugural graduating class all were like guaranteed scholarships or admission, uh dorm and food, everything paid for for like the first 3 years. So I mean, it's incredible. That's incredible. incredible. Um, now, I do want to sort of get to a lighter note. That was a little bit heavy, but it was one of the things that I had been talking to you about, and I really wanted to sort of get your opinion out there. I know um, you're very passionate about things, um, and people appreciate your opinion. So I wanted to make sure that we were able to sort of showcase that. But I reached out to two of your friends, uh, Mr. Tim McAuliffe and DJ. <laughs> okay. And so you know what's going to happen now, because I reached out to you when I was talking to those fellas. And uh, it's story time. So Tim McAuliffe, 
had nothing but really good things to say about you. It was really hard. I was it was like trying to get blood out of a stone. I asked him, I'm like, listen, can you give me a story? He's like, yeah, you know what? Cabby, he makes everyone around them better. No matter what it is, his smile, his demeanor, his work ethic, he just makes everyone better at their job. That's this it's is fugazi. Like it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's nice, but it's, it's false. Listen, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people would probably err on Tim's side than on your side, but that's just the, the guy that you are, you know, with that, and one of the things that we love about you, Cabby, but he did mention that one time you guys got into a little brawl or fisticuffs, uh, on ice for, oh, for yeah. a, a piece. Oh, yes. You know, so can you can you tell me what happened and then who ultimately won? You oh, know, that, that right. Scuffle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't what I I was working. We're both at, at the score, and I, I just this is maybe I don't know six months into doing cabbie on the street, and then oh no, maybe it was maybe it was less. Maybe it was like three months, and then we're like we had this bit where we just I don't know we I, we weren't adversaries. But I, I'm sure we used to throw zingers at each other all the time. And yeah. I was always fat and Tim was always balding. <laughs> and uh, and then we decided to settle it on the ice. And I can't ice skate. And Tim was a high-level uh, hockey player in his day. And I didn't, I didn't do so well. Like, I, I had, like, I don't even know if I had. I borrowed gear from my friends, including <laughs> skates. I don't think I tied them that well. But And Tim's a southpaw, so it's hard to... It's hard yeah. to fight someone who's left-handed because it just right. the angles are different. And then we're on skates, and my balance is terrible. Tim just like it was, he probably he probably legit hit me two or three times. There was an uppercut for sure that connected on my chin, and then he had a couple of overhands, and then just one put me down. And I I cut it using some a famous piece of music uh, which I can't remember. It's the. Dun, dun, bum, 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 dun, dun. Yeah. And then at the end, it's like it has that, it has a crescendo and it has like yeah. it, the, the pace increases. It's not, it's not, jeez. Uh, it's not, it's not the uh, walk of the Valkyries. It's not Carmine, Carmen. Um, anyway, that piece of music is what I used to edit it. It was free because it was written like 200 years ago. So it's in the yeah. public domain to use music. Anyway, I took an L like a, I took an L and Tim like skated away. And I think he did like the belt, oh, the belt celebration from like some WWE star. Maybe it was WWF at the time. This is probably 2002. So okay. maybe it was still WWF at the time. And, you know, Stone Cold was probably the champion or, or the rock was a champion, <laughs> but oh yeah, I got served. I got served. Nice. Nice. Awesome. All right. Good. I like that. I like that. Listen, you, you did what you had to do to defend yourself against Tim, who had an unfair advantage. Now, did. you know, you said this was back in the day. If you were to have a rematch, you know, do you, do you, do you fend a little better? Like, do you on the maybe ice, get in a shot or two? If it's on the ice, same result. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If it's on uh, dry land, then maybe a little, but Tim is a wily veteran. And again, at the, the lefty and we both, we would both like in a street fight, probably try to Jersey each other. Cause that's just the way right. that we learned how to fight. And that's just the competitive advantage that you have over someone. But Tim, like he might fish hook you. Like he has all uh, kind of, and he also, when we used to like play fight in the office, which, you know, 21 yeah. years old, there's a, there's like, 30 21 year olds you know fresh out of school or in school so it was just like a madhouse at times he used to like kick you in the shins to sort oh. of keep keep you at bay like just <laughs> to keep your distance if he didn't have the reach advantage he would kick right. you in the shins it was so annoying it would get you frustrated and then get you out of your strategy <laughs> as far as how you're gonna attack him so he probably i mean he's got a little son so he probably has ways like when he play fights with his son right. he has ways to keep him at bay, at bay or to to get him frustrated so i i, I would imagine you would use some of those tactics on me so um closer on dry land same result as 2002 on the ice which results in me taking an l maybe the rematch we'll do on rollerblades and maybe that might uh, change things up <laughs> also 
one or both of us are blowing out ankles. <laughs> would not be a good look. All right. So DJ, DJ wanted me to ask you how much you tip Junior B. Come on. That's what he actually <laughs> said. I can't make that up. I, I don't know. I, no, you can't because gotta... you would have no idea who yeah. Junior B is. So there's a barbershop in Toronto called Lloyd's. It's okay. at Bathurst and Bloor. It Bloor. It's the barbershop I've been going to since I was 10. My dad took me there. And then as an adult, when I lived at Bathurst and King, I would go see Junior B. And I think the cuts, the cuts are like, I can't believe DJ. <clears throat> so the cuts are 20 bucks. So I would give Junior B a $25 tip because okay. I just appreciate the cut that sure. he would, that he would give me. And like, <clears throat> I'm also kind of, you're also, when you, when you tip well, you're all, you're kind of tipping for the next time too, so that you get for sure. some preferred service. So when I yes. walk in, then I could be the next one in the chair because right. generally, <clears throat> Julian, I'm late for everything. So when I arrive in the barbershop, I'm already 45 minutes late for my next appointment. So right. it's kind of a way to guarantee that I get in the chair quickly and then uh, get on with my day and then apologize to whoever I have to see next because I will be late for sure. Listen, I appreciate that. Listen, if you're going to tip someone, you want to tip the person like right now, you're not rocking a cap. Like you, your hair's out. You don't want someone fucking up your haircut because you didn't, you gave them like a 50 cent or $2 tip. You want to make sure that the next time you go in there, whether it's preferred service or just the proper lineup, the proper fade, you know, the proper haircut is not, yeah. you know, is done professionally and not like this guy only gave me like a dollar. Watch what I do to him now. Right. I'm glad that DJ, uh, you know, because he he's such a smart man, he's like, I, listen, I can't put this guy on blast and and ask him a question from something that he can't obviously talk about. So I'm glad that he gave you a G-rated question to ask because DJ and I have been friends for over 15 years and had some had some fun times out there in these streets. So, well, the follow up question the follow up question might wield a different result. So. He also told me to ask you how long it took you to get to your bachelor party. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, because you know what? I was getting a haircut. I was in, oh, that's awesome. you know, I was in, oh my gosh. I, I, so I missed my flight and oh. I was getting a hair. So the flight is at like four. I'm in the chair at 3 PM. And I wasn't, I wasn't with junior B. It was my, my other guy, Mario. And I was like, yeah, you know, the flight's probably going to be delayed. It wasn't delayed. <laughs> I missed the flight. I had to take a later one and it cost me so much money. Like it, they, once they have you by the, by the jewels, then they yeah. can just gr like twist them as much as they want. <laughs> and the ladies at the counter are always so nice. But then like when they dropped the, actually the lady wrote down two prices, like I had to write them down. Didn't even say them audibly just so that to lessen the blow. So she That's wrote nice. $1,600 and then she wrote $1,700 on a piece of paper. I'm like, which one gives me more leg room? She's like the one with $1,700. <laughs> I'm like, well, if I'm going to spend this much money yeah. to get to Sweden, I might as well have more leg room on the way. So Jeez. That was it. Was one of the most costly mistakes that I've ever had to pay for in my life. Wait a second. I, I think we buried the lead here. Your bachelor party was in Sweden. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, sorry. No bachelor party. No, no. That was my the one he's talking about was my um, was my fortieth birthday. We went to Sweden and oh, Copenhagen. Okay. That's the one I missed the flight because oh, okay. I was getting a haircut. But my bachelor party was in Colombia. But that one, that was that one went off without a hitch. We all. We all made it to the airport. Um, I think it's because I went with my friends and I wasn't like left to my own devices. That's why I made it on time. But yeah, it was, it was the 40th birthday to Europe. Our Euro trip was the one that I missed. And regrettably, I was down 1700 bucks before I, we even left the airport. But listen, you got a proper haircut and you got some additional leg room. It could have been worse. I suppose. Yes, it could. Yes, it could have been worse. I'm, I'm not going to complain too much because uh, we made it and we had a blast and um, that's all I can say about that trip. <laughs> well, listen, Cap, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, we have reached our end time for tonight, but uh, I hope all goes well with you. Uh, everything at Bleacher Report. Obviously, you guys have started to, um, to ramp back up. You guys are on the Bleacher Report app. 
um, and you guys also have your show. Can you just plug the show real quick? Thank you, Julian. So we have squad. So we have group chat, which is a weekly show with four degenerates and me talking about basketball and baseball. And then we have squad ride on Sundays, which is our NFL show. Again, it's me and like three or four degenerates talking about the NFL. So uh, I got to prep. So group chat is either Tuesdays or Wednesdays and then squad ride is every Sunday. So if you guys um, want to get it, want to catch uh, some degenerates talking about gambling and, and a chance to win one of the hoodies that Julian has, then check us out on the Bleacher Report app. That's right. All right. Last thing before I let you go, because I know we're tight. NBA or sorry, not NBA champion, NFL, Super Bowl. Who are your two teams? Who are you winning? What's the best uh, odds to pick right now? Boy. I put you on the spot. I like Seattle out of the NFL, out of the NFC. Yeah. Because they're a long shot and I like the long odds for that payday. And in the okay. AFC, it's so hard to go back to the Super Bowl. So I don't think it'll be Kansas City. And it probably won't be Baltimore. Um, be- I'm only seeing this because of the defense. And maybe he's got like eight or nine great throws left. I'm going to say Pittsburgh. Wow, oh, ben Pittsburgh and Seattle, a rematch of the 2005. No, that was Pittsburgh and yeah, it was, yeah, it was Pittsburgh, Seattle, but it was in Detroit. The 2005 Super Bowl, which Pittsburgh won, and Roethlisberger had a terrible game. I think it was he was in his second year, but that's my free prediction, which will likely not happen. <laughs> Listen, we'll roll it back around Super Bowl time. We'll see if he came. See if he came close. All right, thank you so much, man. Cabby, appreciate you spending the time uh, for your host, Julian Ortiz, and my guest, Cabby Richards. Thank you for watching and listening. Have a great night, everybody.